What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the question and answer podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. You can ask me anything and everything about our Catholic faith from morality to spirituality, whether it's a question about everyday life or what we believe as Catholics, I'm here to help you find answers. If you're a first-time listener, you can follow the podcast by going to Spotify or Google Play or any podcast format that is pretty much out there and Apple and everything else. And you can hit me with your own questions and comments at www.essentialpress.com slash Josh. You can also rate us and review us on, on iTunes and you can uh, share us on your social media pages. If you want to receive show notes or any updates about the podcast, be sure to subscribe to our email list by texting Ask Father Josh to 33 777. On today's show, we're going to talk about religious life and what are some green flags and some red flags for men and women who are discerning religious life, um, who are thinking about entering into a community, who feel called by Jesus Christ to enter into a specific congregation, become a saint uh, in that particular path. And so I'll just be honest and upfront, at this point in my life, I've been a priest for nine years. And yeah, I have met a lot of people who have been hurt and who, yeah, I don't, I just want to help. As a father, I want to help particularly young women who I've been walking with not have uh, traumatic experiences like some other friends have had and uh, their discernment. And so that's why we're doing the show is, is really for them and uh, and for you. If you feel like the Lord is inviting you, I want to help you find the community that is most healthy and mature uh, that can help you to not only fall in love with Christ more, but to stay in love with Christ and to remain in love with Christ on earth as it is in heaven. So uh, it's going to be a difficult show, I think, but I think it's a very necessary show and a necessary conversation to have. I thank you to everybody who responded to my tweet on Twitter the other day about this topic, who gave me your experiences and your wisdom and your advice. I will share a lot of that today. And for everybody who made time to have a phone conversation with me as well uh, leading up to this particular podcast. Uh, But before we get to the story, uh, I want to share with you a glory story. So my, my glory story is this. I, I was at Seek Conference a few weeks ago, and one of the gifts of Seek Conference is running into old friends, but particularly my friends who are religious. Uh, and so specifically for today's show, we're talking about religious life and discernment, and I have a number of really close friends. One of my good friends, Sister Miriam James, she and I got the keynote on Wednesday night for the adoration at Seek, and she and I have been friends for over 12 years, 12 years uh, I was able to also hang out with Sister Josephine Garrett, another one of my very dear friends, uh, and, and, and meet new friends as well, uh, meet other religious sisters who I was able to spend time with. Two offered to pray over me. One was Sister Isabel with the TOR sisters, and the other was Sister Mercedes with the uh, Dominicans of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist. And so I was super grateful for those unexpected blessings, those unexpected gifts of being able to to be around brides of Christ who, in my opinion, are healthy, are holy, and are mature, um, and are great witnesses uh, of what it looks like to to be a spouse to Jesus and in love, love with Jesus and serving the church. But yeah, so that, my, my glory story is just the gift of of religious life for me in my life up to this point has been huge. I was able to visit with, with the Mercedarian Sisters of the Blessed Sacrament as well. They're in my diocese. They were there. They were my intercessors. They are my intercessors. I love them dearly. And so, uh, and they're also here at my school as well. So I'm so grateful for them. But yeah, we had a great time at Seek. Great time at Seek. And I just, I'm grateful for religious life. And 
as a vocation director, I want to do my part to help help women specifically, but also men uh, discern well, discern well. So that's what this show is all about. So with that, let's go ahead and get into today's show. So our question today comes in from Anonymous, and she writes this, I'm discerning religious life, and I've heard some stories about it not working out for people. Some people I know have been hurt. No different than a dating relationship, but discerning religious life isn't as common as dating. I find myself in unfamiliar territory with not a lot to test a community and see if I want to date them. Can you give some red flag scenarios to look for both while getting to know a community and maybe something that you might not really see until you enter this is a phenomenal question, and um, yeah, I hope that I'm able to respond well. I want to just give a foundation by saying this. There's no perfect religious community that exists on the planet Earth in the Catholic Church. Every community, some are really healthy, holy, and mature, but they're still not perfect, and others are just quite frankly dysfunctional and I think dangerous. But nonetheless, anywhere between the spectrum, every community is always in constant need of reformation, Every single community is in need of ongoing reform. Until we are saints in heaven, we're going to need to daily be reformed, to daily reform our lives, our community lives, our rule of lives, our, our apostolates. Our, it's, it's, we're in constant need of, of renewal and restoration and reformation. So there will never be a perfect community. You're never going to have a community where you're not going to get in fights with your sisters or your brothers uh, because we're human. The apostles fought with each other. They were Christian because they made up, they forgave each other, they reconciled. But at the end of the day, it's, there's never going to be a perfect scenario. So if we're looking for the perfect community, it doesn't exist, uh, we'll be waiting for heaven. And so uh, that's the first thing. Second thing is this, I want to share a story I don't often tell too many people, but at one point when I was in seminary, I was discerning religious life. I met a priest who was founding a religious order. So it was a new community uh, that he was trying to establish and his bishop was working with him to establish his community, and he was somewhat of a mystic. And so I was uh, drawn to, to him because I was like, oh my gosh, like these crazy extraordinary things would oftentimes happen in and through his ministry. Obviously, it was Jesus Christ. Whatever good was happening in his ministry was Jesus. Whatever bad was happening was not the Lord. But the reason why it didn't work out, there's a number of reasons, and I won't go into all of them, but the primary reason was this. On one occasion, he said to me these words, Josh, God told me that you're supposed to join my religious order. Now, what's wrong with that statement? I had no freedom. He violated my freedom to discern. I wasn't free anymore. And I thought, well, he's, he's a priest. I'm a seminarian. He's been in ministry way longer than me. Clearly, he has a lot of extraordinary gifts that are attached to his ministry. So maybe he's closer to God than I am. So maybe he hears the voice of God with a lot more clarity. And so it really messed up my discernment. It really messed up my discernment. Um, and I was finally able to break away, um, and that community was also suppressed. And so it didn't even get found, did, which was a great gift, I think, because it was immature. But number one, number one, number one rule of thumb is if anyone ever tells you you're supposed to, to join, like God's calling you, like, no, 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 don't. That's not, mm-mm. That's like you're dating somebody. Let's, let's think about this with regards to dating. Um, if you're dating somebody and they say, you're, you need to marry me, not will you marry me, not an invitation, not a proposal, but being forced, being imposed. 
that is not of the Lord. The Lord invites us to be disciples. He doesn't make us, right? The, the Lord always gives us freedom. And so imagine if somebody says, you must marry me. You would feel some kind of way, but like, whoa, I need the freedom to say yes or no. It's a question. You do not demand. And so, yeah, dating is a good way to look at religious life. I think one of my good friends, he's a therapist, and, and he oftentimes gives talks to you know, young adults, college students who are wanting to get married. And, and he tells them, like, you know, obviously, the first date, you don't share all your business because you don't know the person. Like, you date people to get to know them to discern as you're dating if you want to like, get more serious and you know, court each other and prepare you know, and potentially get engaged. Uh, but on the first date, you don't talk about the deepest, darkest secrets in your life because you don't know if that person is trustworthy, if that person will reverence your heart, my heart, right? So you can share some chicken nuggets, but you hold back your barbecue sauce. But after you've been on a number of dates, if you're getting a little bit more serious and, you, and you're thinking you want to become more exclusive with each other, before you become exclusive, I think it's healthy to have a conversation. Like say if you're dating for a, f- a couple months, all right, a few months in, you, you're starting to have get feelings. Now's the time to have a, a serious conversation and to reveal yourself and to invite the other person to reveal themselves to you. That way you know what you're getting yourself into. Because if you wait till you're about to get married to then tell that person all this stuff, that's kind of too late. You already had to sit the invitations out. The church is already booked. You got the dress picked out. So before you even get to that place where you're so in love with the feelings in love, you need to have a difficult conversation to discern, do I want to walk with this person in the future? So ask the person, I need to know your sexual history, right? This is important. Uh, uh, do you have any STDs, right? You don't want to get married and on the night of your wedding, find out that your, your now husband or wife has an STD. If they do, you want to be able to know that in advance so that way you could discern, is this something I'm willing to like to suffer with the rest of my life? You want to know if they have any particular addictions early on. Are you addicted to pornography? Are you addicted to masturbation? Are you addicted to alcohol? Are you addicted to drugs? Right? You need to find out those things. They're very important. And so just like, and, and you need to be honest with them about yourself. And that way they know what they're getting to. So you can discern freely. Is the, are these things that are, are non-negotiables? Are these negotiable things? Am I willing to walk with you and accompany you in freedom over time with some of these things? Am I willing to overlook some of the things of your past? They're very important for us to have these conversations. And so likewise, with religious orders, on the first time you meet a community, like say if you went to Sikh a few weeks ago, you met some cool nuns or, or brothers or friars or whatever, sisters, you're not going to go up to them and be like, hey, let me tell you everything about my life in our first meeting. And I want to know everything about your community. I want to know everything about your order, your charism, your apostolate, your history, your founders, your, the way you deal with uh, finances, the way like, that's, you don't do that in the first meeting. Like get to know them, the persons, get to know the charism, like take time, visit with the community, have a few meals with them. See if, if, if like you feel at peace hanging out with them, if, if there's a joy in your heart, if you can imagine yourself being there and if they're feeling you and if you're feeling them, then, as you're walking with them, I think it's important that not only do you reveal yourself to them, right? It's about revelation of self, but also it's important to begin to ask them difficult questions, right? Serious questions, right? Some as simple as, hey, like, can you just tell me about your rule of life? Like, how often do you pray by yourselves as individuals? How often do you have communal prayer? Do you do communal holy hours? Do you do holy hours? Do you have a devotion to the Blessed Sacrament? Do you pray the liturgy hours in common? Do you have any specific devotions like the Rosary, Divine Mercy Chaplet, Lexio Divina? Like, wh- what do y'all do with regards to prayer? How do y'all, um, what, what did you do regarding a rule of life and, and visiting family? Pay attention to how they treat their elderly sisters in the community. Like, how do you treat those who are older or older brothers? Do you put them in nursing homes? Do you care for them in your own home? Do you have professional help? Like, these are just things that you need to find out before you enter the order. Find out about the, the history. What's the real story? 
Well, what are some of the challenges that your community has faced since its beginning? And in, in the current season of our lives, in the, in the past couple of decades, what are some current challenges that you, you all have faced? What, is your founder a saint, a blessed, a venerable servant of God? Is, or is, is your founder a person who might become one one day? Or, or was the founder of your order an abuser? Were they, did they molest people? Like, what's the real story? We need to know this. You need to know these things before you sign up to join them um, because they're important, right? Are there negative things about your order online? And if so, hey, I've read these things. Can we have a conversation and pay attention to how the vocation director, to how the founder, to how the superior of that community or the formation director, pay attention to how they respond when you talk about the negative things that you may have read about their communities online. Like, do they get defensive or are they honest? Like, hey, like, you know, it's, yeah, we had a really bad season and, and we've experienced this reformation up to this point and we have a lot more room to grow. But, um, but yeah, thanks for, for bringing that up because it's true. Those things did happen. Or, you know what, like, maybe that isn't the full story, but, but pay attention to those things. Like, it's, now's the time you need to have these conversations before you sign up. Have a conversation about not only prayer, but about the community life, right? How much time do y'all spend with each other? Do y'all encourage friendships among sisters and brothers? Whenever you spend time with them, do you see them actually liking each other? Is there joy? Are they hanging out? Are they friends? Are, uh, and, and are the people in the community able to keep their personality, right? Certainly our personalities need to be purified, all of us, but like we don't want to be one type of person. Like you, you have one charism, but you don't have one personality. And so do the communities allow the individuals to be themselves, but perfected over time. What are they, yeah, what are those relationships like? When, when they have meals together, what do they talk about? Do they ever talk about Jesus? They talk about their stories. They talk about the mission. Do they talk about the church? Are they gossip? Are they inappropriate? Are they negative? Are they constantly questioning the church's teachings? Are they in a, uh, talking bad about people who left the community? Like, how do they address people who were in the, the community and left? Like, uh, these are super important things to to talk about prayer, to talk about the community life, to talk about penance and asceticism, right? What kind of ascetical practices do you all encourage in this community for, for the sisters or for the brothers? Uh, what kind of penances do y'all do collectively as a community? Um, are there any? Um, and or are, are there some things that might yeah, be a, a little extreme? And, and, and if so, when do you expect people that join your community to do those things? All right, so have that conversation early on, spiritual direction and counseling, right? What's the community's, what is their stance towards therapy, mental health? Um, remember, a, a number of saints had mental health issues. St. Oscar Romero had, had anxiety and uh, blessed, I think St. Rotillo Grande had schizophrenia and Edith Stein uh, had at one point suicidal ideations. Like, you need to find out like, what is their stance when it comes to anxiety and depression um, and other mental health issues? And do they provide counselors or allow you to have a counselor like in therapy and take medicine? What's their stance with regards to spiritual direction and who gives it? Like I know for me as a vocation director, I can't be a spiritual director to any guy that's discerning for my diocese. Why? Because I would manipulate his vocation, right? That would not be fair to him or to me. I'm external form, spiritual direction is internal form. So there are things that if you share with the spiritual director, he cannot ever bring to the light. I'm an external formator now as a vocation director. So if you tell me something, I have to bring it to light to, to the bishop, to the church. So when you enter orders, do, does the mother superior or is your formation director trying to be your spiritual director too? That's, that's problematic because that's external form versus internal form. Can there be someone in your community who could be a spiritual director for you? Certainly, that's, that, that's plausible. But the person who's in charge of your formation, like there has to be a distinction between internal formation and external formation. And so if you go to a community and there's 
and they're not making that distinction, that's something that needs to be addressed. How long do they court you before they invite you to, to discern with them, right? Because it's a two-way street. If they meet you in one meeting, if they met you at the seat conference and said, you should join our order, that's grasping. That, that, that's like somebody meeting you on the, and, and having one date with you and saying, I want to marry you. Let's go get married. That's crazy. That is not healthy. That is immature. So how long does the community walk with you and how many visits do they take with you and how, how much time do they spend with you before they officially accept your proposal to, to check out their community, to, to enter their community, to embrace their, their practices, their rule of life? These are all things that I think uh, we should pay attention to when it comes to discerning religious life. Again, there's no perfect order. There's no perfect community out there. There's always going to be areas of growth for every community. But I think these are some some starting points of conversations to have. Again, not on day one. On day one, it's more about the charism. Talking about the charism, talking about the apostolate. Um, here's my story. What's your story? What's your community like? Like th- those, those things are good. Visit with them, hang out with them. Like come and see are cool, but also to see if you can go visit them on a regular week of their life. That way you can actually see what it's really like in the community. But then at some point we have to have these conversations before we sign up, before we sell everything, before we get rid of our car and our house and our job. These are things that I think are very important. And it's really important too to, again, look at how they treated and how they talk about people who have left their community. It's, it's one thing to be one way when you say hey to somebody, but someone said on Twitter, it's another thing to pay attention to how somebody says bye, right? The byes are sometimes more important than the hellos. They show you a lot about communities. And again, there are some communities that, in my opinion, are more healthy. I'm just gonna be upfront, they are more healthy. And there are some communities at this point, as a vocation director, if a young lady tells me that she's interested in discerning with them, I will like, pray for her and intercede for her and fast for her, but I also will tell her the truth about that community's history because I don't want her to go in blind and get blindsided by something that could traumatize her at this point. And there are a few orders at this point that I've, I've walked with a number of women who have been hurt. And so uh, it would be a disservice to the kingdom of God. And uh, it would be a sin for me tonight as a father say, hey, look, whatever you choose to do, however you feel the Lord's calling you, like I will support you 100%, but you, you need to know. Just like if my daughter, if I was married and had a daughter and she was dating some dude that I didn't approve of, like at the end of the day, she's a grown woman. She could do what she wants to do. But if I if I heard some stories about him that I know are true, if I, if I know his ex-girlfriends, I'm like, hey, look, I, you need to know this before you do this, right? And if you choose to do it, I'm still gonna pray for you. I'm still gonna fast for you. I'm still gonna offer up mass for you. But, but you need to know going, going into this, that this is the situation. And could God be calling there to reform it from within? Potentially, but is he? I don't know, right? So I think that these are some, some healthy things. I'll really quick, before we get into the saint for the show, let me go through my Twitter because on Twitter, so many people shared so many insights. So I'm just gonna go through some of my, the tweets and read a few of these as well. And that way you can uh, just hear the wisdom of some of our brothers and sisters who are on the, the Twitter platform, which you know sometimes can be a dangerous place and a negative place, but sometimes it could also be really beautiful. And so here is what some people have also said. It's a red flag if members of the order tell you that they know you're called there when they've just met you. This actually happened to me. It wrecks any possibility of actual discernment. Uh, a green flag is whenever a director encourages you to look elsewhere whenever he or she sees love for the ideal rather than for the life itself, like the actual life that they're living. A red flag is when there's no joy in the house and everything has to be done on, in one particular way. 
compensating for unhappiness. A green flag is when the community members can joke and even make fun of each other in a loving way that shows trust and, and humility as well. Let's see what else do we have here. A red flag is a lack of clarity about the order's charism. So community, are they able to articulate their charism with clarity? Are they just kind of all over the place with, with their particular charism? Uh, then you also have green flag, the joy and good humor of community members is obvious. Joy of living a religious life is clear. Obviously be authentic and healthy. Then we have acknowledging religious life is not all rainbows. Prayers can be difficult. Mental health issues sometimes can be a struggle, even for religious. And so this person has seen toxic positivity in some communities that definitely extends beyond conversations with Outsiders, um, red flags is a lack of diverse temperaments, personalities, avoidance of conflict, rigidity in practices, especially if paired with an inability to explain the underlying good being pursued in that rigidity, defensiveness when, when the discerners ask questions or clarification. Big red flag, right? What, what else do we have? Green flag, relationships among sisters go deeper than externals and routines. Look to see if they enjoy each other's company at all. Don't have to be best friends, but try to see how they love one another once the schedule stops requiring them to, to be together. These are all so, so good. These insights are, are great. Another person had a green flag. Members have radically different personalities. Therapy is encouraged. Religious speak openly about struggles with mental illness and spiritual struggles. Again, this isn't happening when you first meet them, but like within the community, they're, they're talking about this with each other. And as you get to know them, like they're not afraid and they're not resistant to having conversations about mental health issues and struggles in the spiritual life. And one more this came from a priest, a basic discernment tip. Don't go by how strict or observant our traditional community or liturgy is. Go by human factors as well. This place feels like home to me. These people feel like they could be my brothers and sisters. Their apostolate matches my personality. And again, the local superior formation director and your confessor and spiritual director should be different people, right? So you should not have a formation director who is your confessor or your spiritual director that again, violates external formation, external form and internal form. So those are things that are no bueno. And there's so many more. So if you want to read all the, the list of things that people put on my Twitter page, follow me on Twitter at FR Josh Johnson, and you'll be able to see all these wonderful insights that so many people gave and shared. And I'm so grateful for them. But to be honest with you, there's so many, I just can't get through them all right now. Uh, but they were also helpful for me as I prepare for this show. Uh, so hopefully that was helpful. And with that, we're just going to invite a saint to pray for us because we're running out of time. But the saint that we're going to invite to pray for all of us is St. Teresa of Avila. Because uh, and enter on the cross because they were reformers, right? They recognized that there was dysfunction and disorder in their communities, and so they reformed their communities. And so we all are just like our communities are in constant need of reformation. Uh, so are we. We as individuals uh, are in need of reformation all the time. So Saint Teresa of Avila and Saint John of the Cross, we invite the two of you to please, please, please pray for us. I hope this show is helpful for you. Uh, particularly if you are a friend of yours, is thinking about discerning religious life. Um, oh, wait, actually, wait, one last thing. Somebody texted me the other night, and I want to share what they texted me. I thought it was very helpful um, as well. This person um, has a sibling who's entering religious life, and this person said this. A big green flag is whenever the community also cares about the family and wants to get to know the per person's family and like and ask how their family is doing with their discernment like that's always a green flag whenever they care about your home life as well like that's really good so all right with that being said i love you all i'll see you in the eucharist pray for me i pray for you deuces deuces